to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 459, and I'm here once again to help you not only have the best Disney vacation experience when you come to the parks, but I also want to try and help bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, whether you're at home, work, on the way to school, with the show, and videos, and the blog, and the newsletter, and live broadcasts every Wednesday on Facebook, you can find everything over at www.radio.com. So if you've listened to the show before, you might think that I love World Showcase because it is a veritable buffet of flavors along a 1.2-mile promenade. Actually, it's because I think each pavilion is a gateway and to, to opportunity to learn and understand, okay, and yes, eat your way through the rich histories and cultures that you might not otherwise be exposed to. So this week, I'm drawn, once again, to my favorite pavilion in Epcot, Japan. And together, we're not only going to explore the details of the pavilion, but more importantly, our top 10 things we love about Japan. And no, they aren't all centered around food. Not all of them. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information about upcoming meets of the month, including September's in Walt Disney World, a special discount code just for you, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. weekend, I was wandering World Showcase as I was working on a new scavenger hunt for the WW Radio Nation. And beyond that, it's just something that I really enjoy doing. But despite living right near Walt Disney World, I don't get to do it often enough. And I found myself drawn when I was there, as I often do when I'm in Epcot Center, to my favorite pavilion, which you may or may not know if you've listened before, is Japan. And no, it was not just for the food, although that was part of it. And I got to thinking, what is it about this pavilion that I love so much? What is it that keeps me coming back and encourages me to wander through it and explore it every time that I'm there? And so that is how the idea for a show gets born. So this week, we're going to explore our top 10-ish things that we love about the Japan Pavilion. 
And I, of course, can't do it all alone. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be the same or as much fun. So I want to bring along someone who can not only help me come up with 10 reasons why I love the pavilion, but there's 10 reasons why I love this person, because like Japan itself, he has a fascinating and multifaceted history and culture. He is, of course, Mr. Timothy Foster of Celebrations Magazine fame. Uh, welcome, my friend. I, I, I was going to say welcome in Japanese, but I didn't know how to say it. I'm going it and- <laughs> to, too, and look it up, but I, I'm going to put right now, I'm, before we even get out of the gate, I'm going to apologize for my hard Japanese pronunciation. I have no idea how to say half the words I'm, I'm going to say. Let me help so you. Let me help please. you. Please. Okay. Yes. Domo. Wait, well, if I say one wrong, correct me, and I know I will. But that's- just, re- just repeat after me. Domo. Domo. Arigato. Arigato. Mr. Mr. Roboto. Roboto. There you go. How's that? What'd Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto. I used to be able to say I dropped a toaster on my foot, but I forget how to say that now. I love me some Mr. Roboto. Anyway, um, so we, we have, both of us, I think, have a love of Epcot Center, specifically World Showcase I think we enjoy doing the same things, which is wandering slash grazing through a lot of the countries. And, and, and seriously, like as I was walking through, I, I try and say, what is it? You know, what is it about this country, about this pavilion that fascinates me so much, that continues to bring me back? And I was able to sort of pinpoint one or two things. And, and this really was how the idea came to be born, and I know you love this pavilion as well. We've talked about it in the past, but I don't think we've talked about the specifics. And I think in those specifics are not only reasons why we love it, but hopefully some things that maybe our friends who are listening might not have seen or recognized or uncovered as they've been to the pavilion as well. Perhaps not. Although it was funny, as I was going through the list, I feel like I've talked about half of these a lot, so I because I know we talk about the Japan Pavilion and how much we love it, and a lot of it's personal. So forgive me if I get a little weepy here and there. But. Well, but I think that's okay because yeah. I think well, although the, the right, although the story may be very subjective to you, I think a lot of the reasons and rationale are probably common to other people as well. Sure. So and please I, let what? you go. Yes. I, Do you I, have a rule? I have no rules. I have, I have no rules. Rule. I have a rule. I am laying down the groundwork. I'm so incredibly frightened, but go ahead. I normally don't do this. I normally protest this to the very fiber of my being. But please, please, Lou Mangiello, talk about food for the whole show because <laughs> I'm not. So I, uh, I may or may not. Have. <laughs> I, have one, I have one little tiny food item on here, but I wanted to leave the food to you. I will tell you, and, and, you this, this, and maybe this will instill a little bit of fear and some immediate asking You've of Jeeves. No food on I really did not talk wow. a lot about the food. So you're in trouble, Kimasabi. You can't, you know. But it's funny. I think at last top ten we did, though, one was you in Japan. You, I think you went off for like 27 minutes about how great it was sitting up on top of the waterfall. and So I guess you can say that one. Again, 
I'm going to. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's, you know, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. But I'm going to let you go first because we, again, have not talked about this list. I am both frightened and fascinated by what you are about to say. Be be frightened. I had a frightened, frightening – you and I scared uh, shared a frightening moment in Japan, but I'll talk about that later. I don't know if you remember this or not. But – uh, well, the f- uh, first thing I'm going to go with on my list is something I, I'm sure I've talked about many times before, but I think it's one of the one of the most more overlooked attractions, if you will, in Epcot, uh, if not Walt Disney World, and even in World Showcase. And for a lot of people, as often as you've been to the Japan Pavilion, you may not be aware of its existence, and that is the, again, forgive my pronunciation, but the Bijutsu Khan Gallery in the rear of the pavilion. And I, I feel like most people aren't aware it's there or <clears throat> pass it over on their way to more interesting things, mostly because every time I go in there, I'm the only one there, which means it's also a great place to go and relax for a few minutes because you'll have it all to yourself pretty much. Um, but over the years, as I said, it's a gallery. It's at the rear of the pavilion. It hosts, it's hosted several exhibits over the years. Um, currently, it's, uh, it's hosting an exhibit on the cute culture of Japan or the kawaii movement in Japan, which um, it's hard to explain. But if you go to the gallery and look at it, you'll get an idea what you're talking about. I mean, think, think Hello Kitty uh, Think think of all the cute uh, creatures and figures that you see there. Um, the the centerpiece of it is actually kind of bizarre. It's a uh, I, how do you describe it? It's a candy candy girl. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she has a name, Melty Go Round, uh, or the Harajuku Girl sculpture is what it's called. But it was made by it was created by the artist. Uh, basically behind the um, impetus of the exhibition. Um, and as it's very it's very interesting to read, uh, to go through and see all the things, uh, see some things you may be familiar with, some things you're not familiar with. Um, but again, I just even the exhibit aside, the gallery is a wonderful place to go. I said nobody's really ever in there at all, so you really have it to yourself. It's a great place to sit and relax. Um, while you're looking at the gallery, just take a minute to breathe. Um, I love the gallery too, because it's had so many great exhibits over the years. And my, f- I love this one, but my favorite one was the one previous to this, the Spirited Beasts from Ancient Stories to Anime Stars, because my lovely daughter was very much into anime growing up, and this was always a place that we would go to uh, j- just look at all of the the, uh, the stories behind all the characters that she knew, and she she knew all these people. I knew Mario. I was very excited because there's Mario and his little <laughs> raccoons. He's not there anymore, but it was very cool. And they've had ex- exhibitions on tin toys and baseball and, and so many things over the years. Um, one, I, I regret this is not here anymore, but in the Spirited Beasts ex- exhibit, there was a, a great window that had a paper crane uh, image on it, and it using the theatrical scrim effect when the light came on, it became translucent and you saw a thousand folded paper cranes behind it, which was really astounding and fun to watch. Alas, it's not there anymore. Now you can, but, but still the, the exhibit that's on display is very interesting and, um, it's, and it's a great place stuff. You really want to learn more about Japanese culture and different aspects of it. 
great place to go and a great place to relax. Yeah, it's really um, it's fascinating to go in here and learn about the culture and the cultural differences and how things come to be and how these, you know, animated stories and animated characters and, and anime people come from a very rich history of Japan. And one thing that I was really fascinated by was how it transcends not just a younger generation, but they show even for, you know, older people and businessmen, how it very much is involved in their culture and everyday life. And I think understanding how these uh, the, these spirits and these animals evolve into these pop cultural icons and references is fascinating and how it's beyond just what is on TV or toys or collectibles, but it, it permeates so much other different types of merchandise as well. Yeah, actually, one thing was interesting I found. I'm going to show my <laughs> my daughter would uh, – use this as a dad you're so old moment right now but um one of the things i saw in the exhibit now is how one of their airlines um all nippon airways or ana actually has uh image of pikachu on their plane that's an example of how this this cute culture has evolved into everyday life like you mentioned but um i think it's the the thing about it uh, Pokemon is there too, as well as Hello Kitty, and I'm sure everybody, well, everybody under the age of oh, less than mine, is probably aware of it's Pokemon Go, what everyone's playing now, which my daughter is obsessed with, and she's catching things in my backyard. I have no idea what she's talking about, and I'm showing my ignorance. I I don't know how to play this game. Blue, I know you've mastered. It. I know you caught them all. But, level forty, baby. Uh, level level 40. forty. I don't think that's actually meaningful in the game, but good for you. <laughs> Um, but it, it's it's fun, especially now because that that is something that is very popular right now, and you can see um, at least references to the characters um, um, and, and other ways that they're used in Japan. And I wonder if I think they're called Pokey Stops. If I get it right, everybody. If I got that wrong, everybody's groaning right now. But I'm I'm wondering if there are some in there. Um, uh, at and the again, time I of this really recording, I will talk about with this game. <laughs> at the time of this recording, I will tell you, Walt Disney World is a treasure trove of no, Pokey stops. Okay, See, and I sort of wander the parks. About. I mean, again, we're recording this in you know early fall 2016. Wander the parks and look at how many people, kids and adults, are spending time looking down at their phone. Now, I can go into a separate dialogue about the, the the pros and cons of that because I think they are unfortunately missing out on so very much. Um, it's it's interesting that, you know, Disney has the, um, the, the Agent P type games and things like that, yet so many people are playing this Pokemon Go. You wonder if there might be something uh, more Disney-related that can come specifically to the parks where it is that, a similar type of thing. But I will tell you that it frustrates me as not just a parent but someone who <laughs> loves this park and all that it has. Look, we're talking about Japan, right, for, for example. There is so much to see in the pavilion and, and, and view and appreciate and understand that I think is lost when kids and or adults are looking down at their phone swiping up to throw pokeballs at, you know, Mewtwo or whatever <laughs> wow. his name was. 
right? Good See, I, 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 come on, kids. You, I, you know what you're talking about. I'm impressed. But I, I think I think when they do that in the parks, I, I get frustrated because I, I want them to put them away and appreciate, especially in a place like World Showcase, um, the the actual stories and history that's there. I don't know. I just feel there's a whole world I just don't understand. I was in the grocery store and there were like ten kids standing around the cantaloupe stand, just staring at the phones. Which is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. But. All right. Well, I'm going to look. I'm going to go. Um, I, I'm going to go to the obvious one. And if you've heard the show before, you probably know where I'm going to go because I've said this before. Because I, I truly, um, I, I love this part. And I was there again the other evening, and and I ate at, at Tepin Edo beforehand. I sort of pull, I, I pulled away from the group that I was with a little bit, and I wandered into the back seating area of Katsura Grill. Um, and it was not to get myself a snack while we were waiting for our, our teppan table. But I love the inspiration of this area, right? It was, it was inspired by the Imperial Gardens in, in Kyoto, Japan. And from that, that Ngawa style of seating to the, the sounds of the, the Japanese music and the waterfalls and when the lanterns go on at dusk and you can look over at the Tori Gate and World Showcase Lagoon and the tree, the, the, the bamboo that, that's there and even the trees. Like, let me see if I can articulate what I'm trying to say. You can go to a place like World Showcase and you can view it with different sets of eyes every time you go. And what I mean by that is you can wander World Showcase and say, I'm going to pay attention to the architectural elements. I'm going to pay attention to the landscaping. Notice how the delicately trimmed trees in Japan are so very different, not just in species, but the way that they are presented than they are in any other country in World Showcase. And you'll go to Morocco, you'll go to the United States, you'll say, wow, these trees are not ones that are just sort of general to Central Florida. They are either from or inspired to to look like things that you would find in those countries. Look, you can tour World Showcase doing nothing but paying attention to the light fixtures and notice yes. how different they are, right? Not just in the pavilions themselves, but even even on the promenade. And for me, that that perfect storm of the music and the water and the koi pond and the promenade is so serene and it made me want to learn more and understand the the, the importance of the, the horticultural there, for example, right? And the symbolism of the the water and the rocks and the trees and, and, and the art form that gardening really is in Japan. Everything that is there has a special meaning. It has a special semblance and it reflects a, a, a reverence for nature by combining all these elements together. And if you look and you pay attention to, you know, not just the waterfall, but the pools and the stream, which is sort of meant to represent life and all the different type of shrubs and trees. And, and I, I think it just makes for the this pavilion and specifically this area one of the most beautiful places anywhere in Walt Disney World. Yeah, we we I know we've talked a lot about walking through the Japan Pavilion 
um, and marveling at it. And especially at night, I know we've talked about this many times, after Illuminations is over, after the crowds are uh, moving towards the front of the park and you find yourself in Japan, you have it all to yourself. Um, uh, I mean, all the pavilions are beautiful to walk through, but J- Japan's my favorite to, to walk through, just to wander through the gardens, over the bridge, listening to the stream. I, yeah, I'm with you. And I, that actually happened to us this past weekend. We had one of the last reservations yeah. at Teppan Edo. You know me. You know how long it takes for me to get through yeah. a meal and my sake flight. But when we walked out, <laughs> there was not another soul other than the 17, 18, 19 or so of us. And you feel like you have ownership of that promenade. Mm-hmm. And it's so serene. It's so quiet. And there's, you know, other than a, you know, a cast member here and there, uh, it's beautiful to be able to do that at night. So tip of the week Get one of the last reservations at Teppanetto. Invite me to come with you, and we will walk out the promenade together. That's a tip. Leave- that sounds like a plea uh, request. <laughs> Let me see. Where should I go next? Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a gone but not forgotten moment. I've actually done a couple of these already. So uh, this is not there anymore. I'm sorry to say, but it was one of uh, it was a very unique experience that you you had in this pavilion. Something my daughter loved. Uh, this was the Candy Lady Mayuki. Oh, um, too soon. Who? Huh? Too soon. Soon. I said too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Forget it. Just move on. I, I just, anyway, anyway. Meaning the wound is still too deep. It's too soon to oh, start talking about it because I miss Miyuki. Too soon is not something you, you order off the menu. Too soon. You, <laughs> just go on. Not that you're telling me her last name. <laughs> Should be more. But I, just not. But um, now for his name two, is Tim Foster at celebrationspress.com. <laughs> Uh, the, the recap for those who don't know who I'm talking about, um, this was, uh, as you know, all throughout World Showcase at all the pavilions, you'll have different performers come out during the day doing different things. And uh, Japan's no exception. They have several performers that come out, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other ones. Um, but one of them used to be Mayuki, and she would come out with a cart and um, – she was, uh, I'm really going to butcher this, uh, Amizaiku artist. I hope I'm saying that right. But it basically, you're, on, you're on your own with the pronunciations right? here. Yeah, I, I know. Right. Yeah, so basically, well, anyway, she, uh, it was the art of making candy sculptures. And then she would take uh, soft dough made of rice that would look like taffy, um, which was heated to like 200 degrees. I think she perpetually had calluses all over her hands but right in front of your eyes she would sculpt these amazing animals and creatures out of out of the candy um it's kind of similar to watching the the crystal uh artist work on main street usa where you, you see them pulling the glass and making these incredible uh, figurines out of them um it's much the same as what mayuki would do with the candy she would make uh, dragons birds you know all kinds of amazing creations and uh, it was one of the things my daughter loved watching it she was this close to getting one of the candies at one point um mike when she was done she would give 
the candy that she made to somebody in the audience and my daughter was one person away from getting the candy but what can you do but um but it, it was an, it was an incredible thing to see uh, in it if nothing else it was unique it was something you'd never see anywhere else she was pretty much a one of a kind that does this um particular form of art if you will um but again sadly as you said she is no longer there having left epcot a few years back but um while she was there, her performances were were quite astounding to see, and and unannounced. It was one of those one of those uh, unexpected surprises you would get as you were walking around World Showcase um, when you're minding your own business, and out comes this unassuming lady with a cart, and now you're seeing something that you you just go, well, "How is she doing that? That's really cool." So um, we we do sadly miss her, but uh, she was one of the things that. Uh, I loved and my daughter dearly loved about the Chuban Pavilion. And you know that she is the only woman in the world who was ever trained in Amizaiku? I did know. I did know. I, I'm reading here. I'm cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I know at one point, this is a cute, speaking of daughters, um, she herself has a daughter and as was asked if she, her daughter would carry on the tradition and learn the craft herself. And she said, no, she cries because her hands hurt because the candy was so hot, which is cute. But so. Well, you know, I, when Miyuki was there, I, I almost would have classified her as a magician because mm-hmm. I think what she was able to create uh, from this, you know, her, her fingers and scissors and tweezers, the I, I remember seeing her create animals that they didn't look delicious. They looked so incredibly realistic. And when you talk about a unique souvenir to bring home from Walt Disney World, the one that was free, you didn't you didn't pay her for the souvenir. She would just make them and, and give them to the kids. And the fact that it was made from candy, I remember seeing her and thinking that she was like a glass artist, right? Because it's almost how they looked. Yeah. That's it? That's all you got was yeah? No, I I thought you had more. (laughs) No, she was really amazing to watch. And uh, like I said, we we miss her, but, you know. All right, so you're back to me. And I'm going to... I'm going that to do some one bit of food, by the that's way. That's it. So. That's all you got. All right. So I, I am going to I, I'm going to um, to a certain degree um, acknowledge your request, but I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, because when I talk about experiences, I always try and find ones that are accessible to every or almost any kind of guest. And one of the th- the things that I'm going to mention now is not for everyone for a variety of reasons, whether oh it's due to age, whether it's due to taste, whether it's due to preference, whatever it may be. But I will tell you, my friend, little Timmy Foster, that there is a hidden gem that's hiding in plain sight in the Japan Pavilion. And, and I think one that I have never referenced before, and I could probably guarantee you have never experienced since you've been there. And that's not a bad thing. It just might be something that, that is not of interest to you. But I will tell you that inside... I am so perplexed by what you're going to you say. You have no clue where I'm going, do you? Inside 
the oh-so-very-large and lovely Mitsukoshi Department Store in Epcot Center's Japan Pavilion. In the back, on the far left side, if you're looking at the, the castle itself, is a sake bar. Oh. So, obviously, sake is an alcoholic beverage. It is not for everyone, whether it is due to preference or taste or age. Kids don't try this at home. But I think the sake bar is a hidden gem in World Showcase because I think that it gives you the opportunity, much like many of the restaurants do, to sample in a very small portion something that you might not know about, be afraid to try, be afraid to order, or have never been exposed to before. And sake is a, um, it, it's a, it's a rice wine, but... Even though the the, the 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 way it is created is, is it has a similar process maybe to beer, it it has a very very unique uh, flavor. It's got a very in, in some cases like the unfiltered sake. It's got a very unique texture to it. I, I love I, I love let me admit I love sake. I, I love unfiltered sake, and I've really come to uh, try and understand and appreciate some of the many different types. And you know that I love the Japanese food and the snacks and the candy, but here there's a very, very small sake bar. And don't think of it in terms of like a lounge. When I say it's a small bar, it is maybe, if it's five feet wide, it's that much. Um, It is over where you can buy the bottled sake and sake type accessories. But there are uh, probably... Gosh, I would have to say maybe 10 different types of sake that you can try there. You can also order a sake flight. And I think that is, gosh, I want to say it's maybe $10, $10, $15, somewhere around there, if that. Uh, but it's also a great learning opportunity. Um, the people, that the cast members who obviously are from Japan that work there will really help to educate you. They have cards that explain to you what the sakis are like. But you can say, I prefer dry. I prefer sweet. They could explain to you why one is cloudy and one is clear and the difference between a Junmai and a Shochikobai sake. And the flight is a really nice way to sample very small tastes and like wine, get to understand and maybe enjoy and appreciate the, the different types of flavors, um, the, 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 how smooth one is over the other and then maybe next time you go to Teppan Edo or to Tokyo Dining you might want to give one of these a try without having to feel uh, nervous that you, that you will order something that you won't like um, did you so my first question to you is did you even know that the sake bar was there uh, sort <laughs> of aware of its existence but your next question is well, but I, I th- what I think have I ever gone over? There? Have you ever tried sake before? No, unless they have a Tinkerbell sake. Well, I will tell you they I don't have. Think they do. They no. really they they have some. And again, when you order from the, the sake bar, they're they're really first of all, it's not like getting a sixteen ounce, you know, pint of beer or something. They're <laughs> they're, they're really very very small, uh, and they probably run. I want to say none is more than $10. They probably start between 5 to $10. But they even have a, a a grid that they give you, and they show ones that are very highly recommended, I think much more accessible maybe to the American palate. They have ones that are more traditional sakis. They have ones that are more sort of sweeter. And they explain to you 
what each of them, they almost all have like a, uh, a matrix that you can look at to see where different sakis fall in terms of light and sweet and heavy and, and dry. So you really can sort of leave there after a little bit uh, of time with a, a great rudimentary knowledge of the different types of sakis. You can sample a few of them without having to worry about going into a restaurant and ordering an entire bottle. So it's not necessarily about... Look, I'm not a huge proponent of the the drinking around the world thing, but I think this is a way to get a sample of a traditional Japanese beverage so you just have a better understanding and and maybe appreciation of not just the culture of the food and maybe be introduced to something that you wouldn't have tried elsewhere. Very cool. I'm still scared, but... Maybe Don't be scared. And, and the, again, the cast members are consistently wonderful. Like they'll explain to you like how it's made, <laughs> what the different ones taste like, what the what filtered versus unfiltered means, what is, you know, sweeter. So you can go in there and say, hey, I, I really don't. And they will recommend ones that, you know, one or more that you can try. I, I think it's a, a neat little thing. It's tucked away in the corner. Again, not something that is uh, very, you know, if you look on a list of, uh, restaurants in uh, in Epcot or even Walt the sake bar is not going to come up as its own separate entry so you almost have to know that it's there or go look for it ah there you go well actually since we're in the Mitsukushi department store let's eat I, I figured huh let's eat let's eat no. all right <laughs> Now, I wanted to mention, I, I figured we'd be in here uh, for a long time, metaphorically speaking, doing different things. But maybe I'll run, I'll run through my favorite things about um, this store. Uh, this is, I'm sure I've said this many times, far and away my favorite store in Epcot, if not Walt Disney World. Um, for a lot of sentimental reasons, which I've shared before, and will no doubt come up again as I go through this. But um, it, it's such, as with many of the stores in World Showcase, but it is such a unique store. Uh, when you go through it, it's huge in the first place. And by going through it, though, you you get you get a great sense of the culture of Japan and and all of the different things because there's there's all kinds of different sections starting with where you were you're actually in one of my favorite sections of the department store it's on the other side of the room and it's where all the snacks and candies are um which are very interesting to look through because they're all uh, if, you know if you're used to snickers and milky ways and that's all you got <laughs> you're going to see a variety of things that um you've never seen you might think they're really bizarre you might not even understand what they are, but it's a lot of fun to look through, even more to try. One of the things I always get for my daughter, whether she's with me or not, is Pocky, which is, for those who don't know, it's like a, 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 like a wafer wa- waffle cone. It's, like, it's a stick, and it's <laughs> – well, it's a stick. It's a stick, but it's of, uh, you know, like – it's an edible stick. It it's is. an edible <laughs> stick, and it's got, usually covered with chocolate. But they have um, – they often have a wide variety of different flavors, uh, white chocolate. I think I saw pistachio there, almond, strawberry, um, all kinds of different flavors. So I always get a box or two or three for my daughter. They have uh, Japanese sodas there. 
which, again, very different from mm-hmm. your Dr. Peppers and everything you're used to normally. Um, do you have the, do you ever have the Ramune with the ball? What's that? The Ramune where you, you knock the ball down the into ball, a... I, no, uh, my daughter has, I, I did not get to experience this personally, <laughs> but they were fanatical about it. Um, cause, uh, she also goes, I'm going to step out here a little bit. She also, she loves anime, as I mentioned earlier, and she, she goes to an anime convention that's near us and it's big there too, cause they have a lot of of Japanese stuff. And, and that's the soda you talked about. That was the big thing. Like the soda with the ball, the soda with the ball. So it was very cool. Have you had one yourself? Or? I have. Uh, my kids love it. We go out for Japanese food uh, quite often. Um, yeah. And they like to, to order it there. And, you know, it like a lot of the things you'll find in the pavilion, there is a, uh, I almost want to say a theatrical fun element to it. And, yeah. and the Ramune is, is sort of has that to it. Well, going through the the, the store too, uh, it's really cool because that section we're talking about that's uh, you know food, snacks, and sake, if you will. <laughs> um, but it's as you go through the different parts of the store, it's you'll find very different things. N- near there is a, a kimono section where you can get an authentic kimono, which uh, my daughter actually got one. I think it's buried in the balled up at the bottom of her closet right now. But but um, they're they're beautiful just to look at. Um, uh, and even to try them on is great. Yeah, you have the room full of uh, incense and um, uh, figurines and little tiny Zen gardens and and that kind of stuff. Um, then you go through all the clothing, which is great. But the front of the store is my second favorite part, and that's where you'll find all of the cultural, the pop culture items like the anime things and the and the manga things and the comic things like uh, if you're a fan of Mario or Zelda or Pokemon or Hello Kitty this is heaven this is where you want to be I'm mean, every time I go I have to take a million pictures if my daughter's not there like which one do you want and I'm taking this and this and this and this and this so um so if you are a fan of any of that stuff it's um it's this is a treasure trove of merchandise whether it's shirts or figurines or even books um lots of cool stuff there um but one i might save this for another another entry i think oh well i'm the next thing i want to talk about i'm saving for another i think i know what you're going to talk what you're going to talk about because i know you and i can i can you know i sense i said but you know did i all right, no, what do you think? No, no, I'm, think not going, I'm not going to mention it because I'm no, not going to... Come on, let's make it fun. No, I'm not going to take it. But I do, I do want to mention Mitsukoshi because, uh, again, and, I, and I'm going to... Obviously, you can tell how, how much I love this pavilion. Mitsukoshi, in and of itself, the store is rich in history. I don't mean Epcot 82 history. I mean Mitsukoshi, yeah. the store itself. And I think you have an amazing opportunity here to not just shop, but more importantly... As as you wander through the store and talk to some of the cast members and understand, look. So you you mentioned the kimonos. Understand the significance of the kimonos. Mm-hmm. Why is all the incense sold there? The the bonsai trees I think are are such a neat thing to bring home, especially if you're with the if you're within driving distance. Uh, I think that you could go into that store and if you did it right and took the time to look around you really get a sense of not just pop culture Japan, but the history of Japan. And again, the importance and the symbolism and how these things came to be. And every cast member that I've ever encountered there 
like you'll find in most World Showcase countries and throughout Walt Disney World, is so incredibly helpful and so proud of their country and their culture and their heritage that they want to help you. They want you to ask them questions. They want to to say, you know, what does this mean? Why is this here? What, you know, what do I... And they're so welcoming and they're so friendly. And I think that's one of the reasons why, in addition to, you know, the food and, and the, the horticulture, why I love the pavilion so much. Well, we can be kind of dancing around one. And I was going to, I'm just going to piggyback on what you said. And I'm not even going to count this as an item. I'm just throwing this in there. You mentioned this a few times, but the cast members are, are a treasure. And, and not, as you said, throughout Walt Disney World, we've often talked about how wonderful the cast members are. And Japan is no exception. They are, um, as as with every country, they are actually from Japan. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, you, can, you talk to them and then they'll, they'll tell you about where they're from or the significance of what you're looking at, that kind of thing. But, um, but I remember... Again, my daughter, she was so excited to go practice her Japanese with with the cast members of just saying thank you, you know, when uh, and after she bought her little trinket. And um, but again, the, the cast members are so friendly, so accommodating, so nice. And it's um, but this this is a great opportunity not to just interact with a uh, a cast member who's nice and wonderful and helpful, which everybody is, but get to meet someone from a country that's very different from ours and get to learn a little bit more about the people and their culture and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's great to just just strike up a conversation with the cast members, especially at Kidcot where you can sit and chat with them for a while and they'll write your name in Japanese and everything. So You know, and if you're looking to bring home a souvenir, like a, a truly unique souvenir, Mitsukoshi really sort of spans the entire spectrum of from just a couple of dollars up to, you know, Mickey Moto pearls. No, and no, I did I mine, just you. I did not. I'm not going to the place over there. Right I mean they have a high end maybe are you is that what you're gonna say? The high end Mickey Moto Pearl? Stop talking now and I'm talk on. I've said too much. You talk you've said too much. This is why we have rules. This is why we have a game. Maybe we should start talking about these before the show starts. <laughs> well, I will now that you did, I'm cheating again. I'm just going to continue. My Keep old. going, man. It's it's all you know. I think they're all obviously uh, you know interconnected. You know, Mitsukoshi is it. it I want to say Mecca, but it is. I mean, there's and there's so much to it beyond just you know. Don't look in that first doorway on the promenade I'd be like, oh, this is just Pokemon stuff and, and toys and things like that. Um, it, it is a treasure trove of stuff, like you said. So what else, what, Tim, what else could you find in Mitsukoshi? Well, I will say probably the centerpiece, certainly the, but what attracts the most crowds is the pick a pearl station where you can pick your, pick an oyster and they will open it up in front of you um, and you will 99 times out of 100 find a pearl. If you don't, don't worry. They'll get you another one. Um, and we'll celebrate your discovery with the banging of a drum and a little song. And uh, you can get your pearl then mounted on a ring or a necklace or, or other piece of jewelry that you want. But um, it's a lot of fun to 
participate in, obviously, but it's also just a lot of fun to watch um, as you see the guests picking out their oysters and the the interaction with the cast members is really fun to watch too and i remember we did get one 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 time and it was very exciting and the fun part is uh they take out the uh, whatever the whatever the name of the device is where they see how big the pearl is and you're anxious to see you know if you got a big one or a small one um or if there there's that moment when you open it and maybe you're lucky enough to get a black pearl or a different colored one which is interesting um the nice part about it, though, it's not that expensive. Um, I think depending on what you end up choosing as the setting, uh, I think you're maybe thirty, forty, fifty dollars or so. You can come out. Uh, you'll get a very beautiful piece of jewelry and one, but one that you. It's like you made it yourself because you picked it out on your own. It's it's um, it's it's. More than just shopping for a piece of jewelry, though. It's a whole experience on its own. Um, and you mentioned that other place. And I was going to say, if your taste, if you've got more than $50 and you really want to go to town, you can venture across the store to the Mickey Moda show, uh, uh, store, I mean, um, and find a pearl necklace for $2,500 or up if the mood strikes you. So no matter what's your budget, no matter what's your taste, the Japan Pavilion has something for you. But um, it, but it is a lot of fun. It's just a, it's just a lot of fun to watch, too, even if you're not buying a, a pearl for yourself. So. The only thing that could make the pick-a-pearl experience better is if they combine that with a raw bar. So you could pick the pearl, you know, mom or your sister or your girlfriend gets the the pearl. You get a half dozen raw oysters. It's a win-win for everybody in the family. Well, did you ever maybe ask him, can I have the other part? <laughs> I have a feeling they probably would not taste as as good as I would as I would like them to be. Uh, but that, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and certainly when you're when you're no matter what you're doing, every few minutes, it's like. Being in a restaurant and hearing them sing "Happy Birthday" in the other part of the of the store every once in a while, this, these drums will sound and people start singing and clapping, and it's just a lot of fun. So I, I'm going to stay in Mitsukoshi as well. There's um, more. There's but wait, there's more because I think Mitsukoshi and, and some of the other shops as well. But I think really here, if you're adventurous, you can really have some fun. In this store, whether you're with your friends or your spouse or especially with your kids. And I remember, insert dream sequence music here, back in 2009, gosh, seven years ago, one of the early videos I did was uh, I was eating around the world, as it were, and I stopped in Japan to sample some of the snacks in Mitsukoshi. So if you go in... Um, through the, the castle entrance or the, the main entrance in the middle and enter the Mitsukoshi department store, uh, there are so, I mean, hundreds, literally, of different snacks to that are prepackaged that you can sample. And they probably run between 5 to $10, probably not very much more. Uh, Obviously, they're all written in Japanese, So, but although if you look on the back, sometimes you can find a little bit of a description in the back. And spoiler alert, if you go back, I'll, I'll try and link to it in this week's show notes. Um, as I was eating around the world in Japan, 
I wanted to sample some snacks that you probably couldn't find on the, the dining plan no. in Walt <laughs> Disney World. And one of the things that I picked that I tried was a package of dried crabs. And the, the crabs are oh, about quarter, maybe half dollar sized. Um, they come in a clear uh, cellophane package. I, I won't spoil it for you. You need to watch the video to, to see how it goes. But you can go in here. There were everything. Look, my kids, too. They My daughter loves the, the Pocky and all the different flavors of Pocky. There's, there's everything from cookies to dozens and dozens of different rice-based rice based snack crackers. There's cookies. Um, you want to get really adventurous. There are... Um, like different types of, of maki, like different things that have um, seaweed and, again, uh, sometimes around some of the rice things. There are also some, there's a lot of um, rice candies. There's a lot of dried fish snacks in there. Uh, the yeah. Japanese seem to clearly enjoy, you know, I got a hankering for a little bit of dried squid. Mom, <laughs> can you take me over? But it, it look, they are, I mean, and there is, there's cuttlefish, there's squid and so you invest a couple of bucks, you have, a, you know, some fun with your friends, but at least you can, see, you know, for me, uh, I'll try almost anything once. I at least wanted to experience what it was like. I wanted to, to taste what the what different cultures, maybe it's not something that they have every day, but something that's offered in other countries, especially countries that you might not have an opportunity to visit before. And so if it costs you five, six, seven, eight dollars to try it and you share it with some of your friends and you do it on on, you know, live or you record it and bring it home. Uh, I think it's one of those neat things that you could do. Sometimes I'll take my kids in there. I say, All right, each of you can pick one snack and we'll go outside and we'll try it and and we'll videotape it and um, usually have a laugh at my kid, my kids' expense. But it's I mean it's neat and it's fun. And look, there's some stuff that you might get turned on to, like a pocky or like the koala snacks. That all of a sudden you're like, hey, I really kind of like this, and it's something that you go back and get over and over again. Beware that I think I got uh, wasabi beans or something. Oh, I love those, like the wasabi peas. I, I was like breathing fire the rest of the night. Oh, I Just, so love me some wasabi. That'll clear up your sinuses right quick. Yeah, but make sure you got some chocolate milk to go <laughs> with. <laughs> that was wonderful. Did you ever have the sriracha? They have sriracha. But look, if you have the, the sriracha ones, you can get sriracha ones. But uh, oh, Lord. No. I, I will tell you that you, you know, we here in the States don't, when we think about crunchy, salty snacks, they are not usually seafood based. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of shrimp flavored stuff, which is surprisingly very, very good. A lot I of think squid. we got like shrimp fries or something. Yeah, the, the shrimp stuff is actually really good. Or the the like squid, that, yeah. the cuttlefish, some of those other things, you have to be, again, there's a, a spectrum of just how adventuresome. But there's also a lot of sweets, too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's, that's some stuff is very, very sweet. Um, uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum as well. And don't forget your lucky kitty or and lucky I like owl. The, I like the little the gummy candies. They have amazing gummy candies too. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, wonderful. I'm hungry. <laughs> You're hungry? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't take much. Whose turn is it? I think that's you because I just talked uh, about okay, snacks. Let's see. Have we Mitsukoshied out? Mitsukoshied out? 
I believe we are meant to Koshi'd out. I think so. Actually, one thing came to mind. You sort of kind of mentioned it once. This is something I I was browsing in preparing extensively for this show, as I always do. Um, I was browsing through some old pictures I had. Um, One of the things I I saw there, and I realized I never really notice it, and I would – venture that most people don't notice it this is one of those um it's not even attention to detail that the imagineers put into all of the settings and places that you go but um i don't know i say well anyway it's it's when you you said castle earlier Mm -hmm. and what i remembered in looking at the pictures and what i never really notice when I'm there, but there is a castle in the Japan Pavilion, which most people, I would venture, don't even know it's there or don't really notice it when they're there. And it's, when I say castle, it's what's, when when you go back to the gallery that we talked about before, and you, you are going into uh, another building, which is a castle. If you look up in the background, there is actually... Uh, castle there of uh, the, the, the Japanese variety um, which was actually modeled after you know, an actual structure in Japan called, again I'm going to bungle this name the Himeji Castle or the White Egret Castle but um, again, it does, you, you can't go in it you can't go up it, there's no attraction in it, you barely notice it um, but uh, if you if you go into the Japan Pavilion, um, I guess my advice is look up and see what else is uh, and take take in all of the sites that are in the pavilion. Um, the, you, the pagoda everybody sees and and are aware of that, uh, but look further, look deeper in, uh, into the back of the pavilion, and you'll see these incredible s- structures that are just there, and they look like they're far off in the distance. Um, like uh, utilizing all the wonderful tricks of perspective in the Imagineer's handbook, but um, uh, it's it's just something you to take notice of, and I bet most people don't even realize or have seen it's it, that it's actually up there. And and so look up when you go. <laughs> so I, I will um, I will tack on to that because obviously this is not my first rodeo talking about Japan on the show. Um, we go into very, very uh, deep detail in terms of history, architecture, symbolism, significance. If you go back, I mean, you got to turn the Wayback Machine back to show number 32. From, oh. Yes. From September Double of digit. 2000. Wait a minute. It literally was almost a decade ago that I did wow. uh, an early DSI, Disney Scene Investigation, and somewhat Epcot Retrospective of the Japan Pavilion. So if you go to www.radio.com slash 32, or if you just, uh, you know, look for it in, uh, in iTunes or your favorite podcast player, we really talk a lot about um, the castle and, and why it's there and the pagoda and the Tori Gate and Mitsukoshi. And it really is a much, much deeper dive into some of the, the things that we're just kind of touching on here. Cool. I might listen to that show. You should. It would be the, it would, it would be should. interesting for you to actually go back and listen to a show. 
Or listen to any show. Right, that's what I mean. You probably have never listened before. I'll explain to you how to no, actually I, find a podcast on your on your. I don't even think this is real. I think you can you get can you get podcasts it. on your flip phone? Is it on your um, Motorola StarTac? Um, was is that that star button on the? Button? I'm moving on. Um, I'm looking at my. I, I don't know. So one of the things we talk that I talk about at length in show 32 is the landscaping. So I'm not going to mention it here. The one of the things, and this will be my last one, just to sort of wrap it up for me. Oh boy! Yeah, man, I'm gonna try and keep well, it ten to it. ten. That's all I get finished. Uh, I think that <laughs> when you visit Walt Disney World, um, is oftentimes very important. Not just because of the weather, not just because depending on when you can go, you can save money. There are special events going on throughout the year. Let's not even start talking about food and wine and flower and garden. But I invite you, dare I say implore you, to visit Japan during the holidays around the world celebration. Because during that time, Japan, obviously Christmas is not celebrated there. Um, you know, Japan's... Um, it's it's sort of a religious wise it it's a it's there's elements of Shintoism and and Buddhism there so they don't necessarily celebrate Christmas you know most people don't celebrate Christmas but they do celebrate something called and I'll butcher this so forgive me Oshugatsu which is uh, at, at the end of December through the third it's sort of a traditional Japanese New Year and you'll see as you walk through the Mitsukoshi sort of going back into there, you'll see a number of uh, oddly shaped dolls. They're known as Daruma dolls. And if you, one thing that's very um, uh, noticeable and apparent is that they don't have pupils in their eyes. And I, I'm not going to sort of ruin it for you, but the Daruma seller, you know, the, the doll seller c- makes appearances during the holidays around the world, talks about these Daruma dolls and the custom of, of making a wish and painting in the eye, you know, you, uh, I guess I'm going to spoil it for you. Anyway, if <laughs> you, you make a wish and you paint the left eye, if I'm remembering correctly, and then if your wish comes through, true before the end of the year, then the child would go and paint the right eye. And you can learn a, a lot about not just some of the culture and the religious significances, but the importance of the Japanese New Year and, and learn a little bit about, you know, the, some of the traditions of, of bells at, at Buddhist temples and things like that. Um, some of the way the, the Japanese homes are decorated. And again, this is another way for you to, and, and parents, don't let your kids hear, if you happen to take your kids out of school, they can learn without realizing that they're learning. Um, and this is something that probably isn't covered a lot in school, but will really expose them to people and culture and traditions and I can tell you as a kid and an adult who travels a lot I think some of my best education has not necessarily been just what I received from books or tests but being able to see it and hear it and touch it and taste it and experience it and you might not be able to bring your family to you know across the Pacific to Japan but you have an opportunity to bring them to Japan or the 10 other countries in World Showcase and learn about their traditions and learn about the cultures and customs. And hey, maybe, you know, kids, not everybody celebrates Christmas the same way, not just here in the United States, but across the world as well. And I, and I love holidays around the world 
for that reason. And I think Japan is is very, very much unique, especially for, you know, those who do celebrate Christmas and are used to Santa Claus and, you know, the red and the greens to, to see and experience and hear from people that celebrate in different ways, uh, I, I think is very, very important. Nana Karobi Yaoki. Domo arigato, Mr. Robato. Si. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I, it means knock down seven times, get up eight, which reinforces the concept of patience and persistence that is symbolized by the Darumado. That's right. You know, I'm, the, reading, uh, my, I'm reading my little Japan uh, holidays around the world. Oh, I thought that was from Rocky Three. Sorry. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no I, uh, yes. Well, Christmas at World Showcase is just fantastic, start to finish. But well, if you were done, I actually had a bunch of other ones. But, well, I mean, look, I can certainly do honorable mentions, but I'll let you sort of quickly rattle through yeah. your. Because uh, well, I'm, I'm actually not. I'm. I'm not used to you being this prepared. No, I didn't. Well, I feel like we only did three, but just babbled a lot. So, um, and this should be any different than what other? <laughs> well, we were counting before. Uh, let's see. Um, well, one thing I was going to mention, uh, as with uh, any Walt Disney attraction or any Pavilion and World Showcase, um, the attention to detail that you'll find throughout the Pavilion, little things to look for. Um, and there's so many here. The, the some of my favorites, um, shared to me by dear friends. Uh, there's a hidden Mickey. I don't think this one is actually there anymore. The last few times I looked at it, but um, as you walked towards the um, Mitsukoshi department store from the right side of the pavilion, if you looked in the in the garden area, there you, there was a carved out area, and you have three stones that would form a hidden Mickey, which again I haven't seen recently, so I'm not sure if it's there. But um, things like that um, on the Tory Gate, you'll see. Uh, barnacles on the bottom, which were deliberately put there by the Imagineers. No, they haven't. It looks like it's been there for a thousand years. Epcot is not that old, but but they were put there to reinforce the idea of of how ancient the actual Tory Gate inspired it is, and reinforcing the the history and and how far back the culture of Japan goes. Um, one thing I didn't know what this was for the longest time. Um, is an unassuming sculpture that's sitting there, um, uh, which is looks like a lantern, and, and actually it is a lantern, but um, it's not marked. It doesn't say what it is, uh, but the story behind it, as I was, I was shared to me by a friend, was um, that it was uh, given to Roy Disney of Walt's Walt Disney's brother's fame by the Japanese emperor and it, um, which is very cool. And it, um, has been here and there was at the Polynesian for a while, but now it has its hopefully permanent home in Japan. Um, it's hard to miss. You'll it's, it's near the, again, near the front of the pavilion, but it's, it's, um, rather tall. There's carvings of deer on the side, but again, it's not marked. If you don't know what it is, you might just think it's just a prop or something, but it's, it's actually, uh, something rather important, rather symbolic, not just of Japan, but of in Disney history itself. So I think that that's a very cool thing to look for. Um, 
uh, moving on to – I've mentioned this so many times. The Chaban Pavilion – I'm switching gears – is my favorite spot in World Showcase to watch Illuminations. And um, there's, there's so many places to watch Illuminations from there that are great. Whether you go right up to the front um, and stand under behind the Tory Gate and stand there, although that's one of those spaces you're going to have to grab a half hour before the show, or if you go to the upper deck um, above the Mitsukoshi Department Store, it's a wonderful place to watch. But again, you have to stake that out way ahead of time. But what I love about the Japan Pavilion is that you can. Even far back into the pavilion, which is wide open, you'll still have a wonderful view of illuminations, and that you can just wander in at your leisure. Nobody's really ever back there. Um, there's a few benches you can sit on. You'll have a wonderful view because the pavilion kind of rises up towards the back, and um, and I love it because you, while you're waiting, you can go shopping and get yourself some uh, Legend of Zelda merchandise and then wander out and then watch the show at your leisure. It's a great place because it's not a place you have to stake out ahead of time. So, um, What else did I have? If you have nothing else, I I got one more. Let's see. Uh, There's drums. There's there's so much to talk about. What did you have? So, if in case you haven't noticed, uh, I did not mention Katsura Ooh. Grill. I did not mention Teppanetto. I did not mention Tokyo Dining, three of my favorite places to eat anywhere in Walt Disney World. And, and I've done a live review of Katsura Grill. I don't think I've ever done it for Teppanetto. I have to fix that. Let's do it. Stat. Let's do it. I had such a nice meal. Oh, I had such a nice meal there last week. But I will tell you that sometimes, and this is one of the things I really like about World Showcase is you can get a taste, a literal and figurative taste of the country and cultures, sometimes not by necessarily doing a, a full sit-down meal, but sometimes from some of the snack carts that you can find on the promenade. And I think a lot of times when you think of, oh, snack carts on the promenade, you must be tor- talking about you know getting one of those uh, Japanese-style ices, right? You want... Uh, yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking <gasps> about the kakigori, but oh. specifically where it is served from is the Kabuki Cafe. That's the name. And I know that you're instantly thinking of Big Hero 6. So let me get this straight. Yep. A man in a Kabuki mask attacked you with an army of miniature flying robots. That's not exactly what I mean when I say that. Um, the no. Kabuki Cafe, beyond the kakigori, also has a number of different Japanese sodas and beers Plum wines, they've got sake, but they also have edamame, which, you know what edamame is? I'm familiar with the term, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you what it means. So, what is it? What is it? It's fish. No. Geez. It's sake, squid. <laughs> no, it is, it is not. So um, edamame what are basically uh, soybeans that are oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're boiled, and uh, when you get it with like the salt on, oh, it's phenomenal. But they also have some sushi there as well. There's sort of, sort of pre, there's not a sushi bar, sort of prepackaged sushi. But again, here's another oppor- a learning opportunity if you so want it to be. It's, they have a number of different types of small food items and drinks, and it's something called otsumami. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the idea of, again, everything in Japan is sort of an art form. It's matching a snack 
that you have with a drink. So these are snacks that are specifically paired with, if you want it, you can you can uh, uh, pair it with your chosen drink, whether it's sake or wine or beer of something else. So oftentimes you could just go and get the snack by itself, but they are actually meant to be, if you want it to be, uh, uh, paired up that way, and it's called otsumami. That's, that's sort of matching the two snacks up. So there you go. Yeah, very nice. All right, well, what, uh, you owe me that dinner thing now. I will take you to Teppan Edo every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Okay. Do you know any pro- places you promise to take me to dinner? Yes. but Which can, I've never gone to. Listen, I'm, I have a tough time getting you out of Cracker Barrel, man. So if you would just expand hey. your horizons. Hey, you and I. Golden right. Corral is not a country on the World Showcase Promenade. You can get, they have a taco bar. All right, we're, we're changing. We're, we're getting off the subject. You and I, taco I'm going to, I'm going to, they do. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm making, let's get serious here, Lou. I'm making this personal. This is you and me. We had, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. We, we had two moments in the Japan, well, at least two, but we two that stand out. In in, in 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 my heart is most. I'm so frightened because I have no idea what you're one, talking about. One was you and I dined at the corner table in the front of the restaurant. What years ago? And we were the only ones there. This is this is sounding weird. Um, it this is just sorry for a listener. This is less creepy than it sounds. Just so you know. <laughs> no, I went. It was fun. You were eating something slimy and fishy and something, and I was amazed at it. But um, no, that and was I woke fun. up that, two days later wearing a kabuki mask with little memory. I I think I vaguely I've remember. Got pictures. So I'll send them out to you. But I remember one time <laughs> we were we were going. Seriously, we're waiting by the elevator. I think this was during the tour of the world where I ended up yelling at you in Canada. But um, I don't know. There was a a crack of lightning that came down, and it was like Thor's hammer came down right on top of our heads. It scared the bejeebies out of me. You probably don't even remember, but it seared its way into my heart. I remember you yelling at me for for talking in Canada while you were trying to watch Illuminations. talk about it but you know i i was i was frightened i was scared but you you calmed me down and said everything will be fine and all right so listen when you come back when you come back i'm going to take you to teppanetto i'm also going to take you i am also going to take you to the sake bar oh dear (laughs) and and we're gonna i'm gonna let you try maybe we can even have it at dinner yeah even a, even a little like sparkling sake for you might be nice. They have that. They do. Or like you know what you know what you might actually like is like a nice little plum wine. Really? Yeah. I'm fine with the chocolate pocky, but still, you know, that's fine with me. So you're scary. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so is that all, right, all you got? Uh, go ahead. Is that all you got? Uh. Uh, I just simply that uh, I just want to end. I, I again, I've talked about this so many times. This is a perfect example to me of how Walt Disney World can help you. If I'm saying that right, make a 
It's more than just the attractions. It's more than just the shops. This is you can make emotional memories, emotional connections with your loved ones. In my case, with my daughter. I've said this so many times, but this is my favorite pavilion, and it is because of my daughter. And it's um, the great thing about World Showcase is uh, if you're into, if you were into something or your child, in this case, my daughter being into anime and Mario and Zelda and all that kind of stuff, um, or, or you may be a Beatles fan and have a similar experience in the UK pavilion or what have you, but the experience of going around World Showcase and visiting the countries and seeing these things, experiencing these things that you have a connection with from your home but don't know a whole lot about beyond what you see is uh, it's a it's a great experience I, I don't think I'm saying this quite as well as I'd like to but um, being able to visit these countries virtually if not if you can't go there personally at least you can go here and it's it's not just fake facades and pretend this these are real people from the countries that you could talk to and you can uh, they can tell you about their country and their way of life and you can experience it and experience the authenticity of it and and again if it, it just it uh, how do I say this um, you know what I'm trying to say right Lou Manjo? no I, I'm pretty much no, clueless uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but I know well like in our case like uh, liking uh, the all the the pop culture things from Japan that are here but be, seeing them in, in Japan in the pavilion there and getting to know the stories behind them and understanding the significance of them beyond it's a cool game to play at home you know it's 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 really neat and why uh, be careful you might just learn something while you're all showcasing you didn't even know it um, and I think that's I it I, I think that's where uh, that, that's part of the reason why I'm so fascinated with Japan specifically but you're right all about world showcase right like be careful you, you might uh, you might learn something and I think that's part of the the beauty and that's one of the things that I love about the Japanese pavilion the Japan pavilion itself is that you can learn about the the history of the culture you can learn about the different religions and belief systems and the visual arts whether it's the painting or the landscaping uh, you know there's a uh, there, there's a um, it's called Yugen, if I'm pronouncing it right, Y-U-G-E-N. And it, it sort of it loosely translated means that, you know, life is boring if you know it. If you know all the facts, um, it, it's boring. Some things need to be a little bit mysterious. And I, and I think that very much is the case with Japan. The fact that the lantern and everything doesn't have a sign on it makes you have to wonder why it's there and what it means. And, and my hope is that you would be encouraged to go and ask somebody or try and figure out or try and see what these things mean or what the, the history of it is. I think there's so much elegance and subtlety in this pavilion. Um, there's a lot of uh, imperfections which are there on purpose. Again, it's, a, it's part of a, uh, a Japanese aesthetic, a sort of it's called wabi-sabi of, of that Everything has to be a little bit imperfect. And I think that there is such a wonderful opportunity here in Japan 
especially for I think most of us who have never been there before to really um, to dig a little bit deeper and learn as much or as little as you would like and not just sort of take everything on its face, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect. That was beautiful. You should write a book. It's the sake talking. It's, it's, it's the sake <laughs> flight talking. Nah, it, yeah, you said it great. Now it's, it's, it's hard to articulate what I think we're feeling, but hopefully everyone. But, and I think that's yeah. it, man. I think, it, I think these, especially in World Showcase, look, I think all of Walt Disney World, it's, it's an emotional experience, right? The reason why we keep going back is because Disney knows how to play on and play off of our emotions, whether it's joy or even sometimes sadness. I like some of the most... Uh, uh, it, that the scenes of Disney movies that we remember most are the ones that we find ourselves crying in. I think here in World Showcase 2, it is a it can be a very emotional and interesting type experience. And we've talked about this over and over again about the fact that you can have a little bit of education along with your entertainment. And I think here, more so than anywhere else, that that is very much true. And whether you are eight or 80, you have a wonderful, amazing opportunity. And the fact that everybody, whether it's from Japan or whatever, is native to that country gives you such a, a great opportunity to learn. And I think parents, you have almost an obligation sometimes while you're there with your kids to not force them to, but to help them dig a little bit deeper and ask questions and, and let them understand. Even though you're on vacation, you can still make a great opportunity uh, out of it. So, And if you want to learn, segue, uh, even segue. more and have a wonderful emotional experience when you go to Walt Disney World, you can check out the latest and or back issues of Celebrations Magazine over at CelebrationsPress.com. Shameless plug time. I just did, but go ahead. <laughs> uh. <laughs> now coming up, I think I mentioned this last time that we're coming up on our fiftieth issue. Actually, I remember I said that because you crazy. almost fell out of your chair. So, um, I do know since then. I don't think I said this when we talked. Um, I was trying to figure out what to do with the fiftieth issue, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but we are devoting this issue to Lou Mangiello. Well, so, oh. Lou. Well, no, it's forty-nine. That's Oh, There's miss, sorry. <laughs> you're, you're the I got cover. excited for a second. Now we're we're going to celebrate the legacy and the life of the man who made this all possible. So we're very excited about that. And we have a new book coming out, Disney After Dark, which we just put up for pre-sale on our website. And Lou, I'm going to send you something over to you so you can share it with your fine audience as well. But we're very excited about it. It'll be coming out in the fall. But you can pre-order it now, and it's um, basically a tour of the parks and the resorts and everything after dark when all the magic comes alive. Our favorite time at the parks. So, wow! So we're very excited about all that. Yes. So, I had no idea. Look at this. Just Timmy Foster just, just announced it this week out there. So, so come on over to Celebrations Press. You can pre-order your copy. But like I said, we're gonna have a offer specially for you WDW Radio fans and. We hope everyone enjoys it. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. I dig Japan. I'm clearly, I'm hungry once again, although I try to avoid food as much as I can. And I dig <laughs> you, Timmy Foster, in our decade plus long of uh, years oh, of ow. touring the parks virtually together. 
Wow. Maybe one day we'll go together. Possibly. Maybe. Well, you know what You're we need. You know what we need to do. We need to do a live dining review together. We've never I, done that, have we? Well, I was at uh, Mama Melrose's once with you. Oh, that's before, right. I, <laughs> we we sat under the fish. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> uh, gosh, that was a long time ago, man. That was a long time ago. I think you were in double digit shows then too. So wow, that was uh, that. I think was one of the first live dining reviews that I ever did, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm, I'm, trying, know I'm stalling. Everybody was rub, rub, rub with their mouth. That was show and... number 122, where little Timmy Foster How did from... you find that out just now? June 7th, 2009. Really? Wow. Yikes. Wow. I might All even right, go yeah, back and listen to that one. Another... Right? It was me, you, Glenn... Tony Mendike and, uh, and Scott yeah. and an, an amazing, I remember an amazing cast member server. Yes, she was. She told to put up with all I your nonsense. Backstory, well, that too, and that was a great. Yeah, story. that might this might that might have been the very first live dining review I ever did. Really, I I'm honored, to, but I don't think that's true. I mean, it was I'm the last. Honored. Notice it was also the last one that you were ever on. <laughs> Hey, I spun tapestries. You st- spun many a yarn. All right, next time you come down, we're going to make it happen. All right. We, we are not going to go to, to uh, we're going to stay on property. We're going to do a live review there. I can't tell. We're not doing the Golden Corral. We're not doing Golden Corral. I'm this sorry. This is a big tease, then. We're not going to Papa John's. Uh, okay. Well, you're buying but. Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see, sometimes in what you hear. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via email or better yet, our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we were in Epcot Center, specifically World Showcase, where obviously I find myself very much at home. And I was talking about how, when we were in Tutto Gusto, about how you can learn so much about the people and the culture through the the food, and how the holidays are also a great opportunity to see how it's celebrated and the history. And we talked about it again this week with Japan. And your question last week was to tell me, if you visit Italy in Epcot during the holidays, you can hear stories told by whom? And your answer was La Bafana. She is a good witch that brings gifts to kids on the Epiphany, which is January 6th. Now you might be saying that's kind of creepy. We get Santa Claus, they get a witch. It's not quite as, as ominous as it sounds because she actually visits all the children of Italy on the eve of the Feast of the Epiphany and she fills their shoes with candy and presents if they're good not so good they might get coal or maybe some bad candy uh if so anyway i took all the correct entries randomly selected one again last week you were playing for the 102 ways to save money for not walt disney world book all seven of the virtual audio walking tours of the magic kingdom a ww radio magic band cover ww radio stickers and i also threw in one of the new 
WW Radio Hot and Cold Travel Mugs. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Landy Betancourt. So, Landy, congratulations. You used the online form. I have your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So we are going to stay at Epcot and World Showcase again this week, and I'm going to bring you back around to food and my admitted favorite place in Walt Disney World. So if you go back to show number 270, you'll hear our live review of the Katsura Grill. Obviously, you heard me talk about not just the location and the atmosphere and the ambiance outside, but actually you'll hear just how much we enjoyed some of the flavors inside. But it hasn't always been known as Katsura Grill. And that's your question this week. What was the original name of this dining location before it changed to Katsura Grill in December 2011? Now, you have until Sunday, September 11th at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at www.radio.com. Better yet, go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, fill out the online form there with your mailing address. This way, if you do win, I can get your prize package right out to you. Again, you're going to play for the book, the audio tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers, and just because we're in my favorite place at one of my favorite restaurants, I'm going to throw in another one of the WW Radio hot and cold travel mugs. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you once again for taking time out of your busy day and your busy week and your busy schedule. I know there's so much going on, and the fact that you share some of your time with me means the world to me. Hope you enjoyed our little trip through the Japan Pavilion. Speaking of thanks, I want to thank some of the new members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Bud Catalano, Mike Masters, Michael Kell, Quincy Rosman, Allison Bertolet, and Megan Eichner. I sincerely appreciate you and all of you are helping to support the show each and every month through the WW Radio Nation. To find out more and how you can get monthly rewards like scavenger hunts, access to our group, personalized magic band covers, shirts, backpacks, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World and more, you can visit www.radionation.com. A couple of other quick announcements before we go. Don't forget that The Purge Part 2 is still going on, which is the purge of my Disney collection on eBay. You can visit www.radio.com slash eBay. New auctions begin and end every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. I am getting a lot of things that I've just kept in boxes and in storage for years possibly decades, like cast member materials, uh, documents, books, maps, attraction scripts, and lots more. Again, visit www.radio.com slash eBay. Of course, as grateful as I am that you're listening to the show, I would love to connect with you beyond that. You can, if you have a question that you want answered on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Lots of ways we can connect on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter on Instagram, on Pinterest, facebook.com slash Radio is the Facebook page. Would love it if you liked the page, shared it with some of your friends. Of course, I believe that while connecting online is great, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That is why for the past almost 10 years or so, I have been doing monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. Thanks again to everybody who came out to the August meet. Looks like the September meet is going to be Saturday, September 17th in the Magic Kingdom 
at Sleepy Hollow Refreshments from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. We will celebrate sort of the holiday season and the fact that it's Nutella waffle season all the time. If you can't make that meet, that's okay. We do them every month. There's also special events, including our cruises. We have another summer event coming up next year, Alaska in 2018. And of course, June 25th, 2017 is our next double dip cruise to Castaway Key on the Disney Dream Two stops at Castaway. You can visit www.radio.com slash 2017 cruise for more events. I also do other meetups on the road as I travel the country to speak at conferences and at schools and at businesses. And if I can somehow help you turn your passion into your profession or come to speak to your business, to your conference or to your school, please visit lumangelo.com. And speaking of meetups and events and my desire to help you get from where you are to where you want to be, my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World is October 15th and 16th, 2016, where over two days we're going to leverage lessons that we can learn from Walt Disney and the Disney Company and fellow entrepreneurs that will help you pursue your passion, whatever it is and wherever you are on your journey while you build and grow your business and brand. It is a Saturday event with an optional Sunday mastermind. The sun, the Sunday mastermind is sold out and the Saturday event is limited to just 50 people. But I wanted to share with you, because you're listening and listening all the way to the end, a special discount code that you can use at checkout that'll save you 30%. So if you go to lumangelo.com slash momentum and use code WDWRadio30, all one word, at checkout, you will save 30% off your ticket and you can feel free to share that code with your friends or someone that you think might be interested in this event. Again, lumangelo.com slash momentum. And finally, and most importantly, my sincerest thanks to you for taking the time to tune in. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell your friends, share links to this or your favorite episode on Facebook to your friends or in your favorite Disney group. And if you can, take just a couple of minutes to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you, we have more than 1,100 five-star reviews. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Lou, L-E-W, from the UK, who's been listening for over a year, and he said he couldn't love it anymore. My passion for Disney is infectious, and it helps him plan out his trips for his family next year. Hoping to meet you at a meet as well, Lou. And Reverend Derek says this is the place to get your Disney fix. He's been listening for about a year as well. It's the highlight of of the week. It's helping him plan his trips, and his week is complete once he listens to the show. He's learned so much about the history and the resorts, and he really recommends the podcast to anyone who wants a little bit of Disney magic. Thank you, Reverend Derek. Thanks also to KPeace128. Said, this was the first podcast I ever listened to eight years ago. It was great then and great now, and she loves the discussion, the top tens, and even Becky when I do my Becky voice, but more importantly, the community that connects this all to. Thank you so much, KPC. Again, you can visit www.radio.com slash iTunes for instructions and a direct link on how you can rate and review the show. And finally, you know, I was thinking as I was doing the, the show this week and as I was talking about some of those Japanese aesthetics, one of my favorites is one that I think I mentioned, which is called Wabi Sabi. And I know that might sound like a funny name for a cocktail or a character from Big Hero 6, but it really is one of the most important of 
the aesthetics because it celebrates imperfection, right? And I like it because you never, you don't have to strive for perfection. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to wait. And don't and certainly don't try and wait for that perfect time to start or do something because there's never going to be that perfect time, that perfect person, that perfect moment, etc. And the, the beauty is that it is imperfect and things are impermanent and they are incomplete. And I think you should take that and appreciate what you have when you have it. Stop waiting for the right person or the right time. And if you're wishing or waiting to do something, go and do it right now. And I live that and I believe that and that's part of the reason why I'm holding my momentum event. It's because I want to help be that catalyst, that turning point that's going to make you stop waiting and start taking action. I would love to see you there. I would love to help you. And I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen and listen all the way to the very end. I sincerely appreciate you and hope that you have your best most incredible week ever. See ya. Hey, Lou Mangello. This is Shannon Kelly calling just to thank you for meeting with me the other day at um, Raglan Road. I had my daughter with me, and she was so excited to meet you, too, and we've become big fans of yours over the last couple months, just gearing up for our latest Walt Disney World vacation, which we just got home from last night, um, already planning another one. And, uh, again, I just want to thank you for all that you're doing, and you've really helped ramp up the excitement in me, and I happen to notice quite a lot more um, throughout the parks over the last two weeks that we were there. And, um, again, it was just such an honor, actually, to meet you and to um, – I just appreciate your authenticity and your, your genuine um, passion for what it is you do, and it really does come through in every um, episode that you have done that I've heard, and I'm sure every other one, too. Um, You've actually inspired me to actually, well, we've, my husband and I have already talked about moving down there just to be closer to Disney World, but, um, but knowing that that's something that you've actually gone forward doing because it's just following your passion, that's, that's just amazing to me. So thank you, and um, hopefully, you know, I missed out on the hug because I was a little too nervous, but at least I got the handshake, and um, it was just great to meet you, and thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Derek from Albuquerque. My wife and I are sitting here in the uh, Hearthstone Lounge at the Grand California on Labor Day at the end of the Disneyland Half Marathon Weekend. And we just wanted to uh, thank you for everything that you do, and um, especially your episode earlier this summer on the unique snacks at Disneyland. Listen to it about a month, month and a half ago, and uh, we took your advice, tried a number of things we would never have tried, and just loved them. I will tell you the... Um, the, the Cozy Cone Hotel, yeah, we could probably live there. The Chili Cone Queso was excellent. The Chili Verde was excellent. We'll definitely have to go back for the uh, garlic bites. We didn't have a chance to try those. And then, um, Becky, you know, those uh, diamond uh, truffles at the Carthay Circle Lounge were just to die for. We were fortunate enough to try them uh, yesterday, the day before they disappear, and they were superb. So thank you very much for all your hard research. I know it's tough trying all these different foods and drinks and everything, but uh, we do appreciate it and uh, can't wait to come back here again next year and maybe we'll try to pickle. I don't know. Thanks. We'll hear you. Uh, listen to you next week. Bye. Hey, Lou. This is Quincy Roseman from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, just calling. I've uh, been listening to your show for a little over a year. Uh, I started last year listening after searching just Disney podcasts on iTunes. And my first show was 411, where you and Panda did a live uh, restaurant review. 
since then I've listened back all the way to show one. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but uh, love them all and just wanted to call and let you know that I've listened back to all of them back to 2007 and they were all just the great as the last. Uh, uh, just keep up the good work. Thanks for all you do and hope to meet you down in Walt Disney World when we head down in a couple of days. Thanks. Bye. Oh, no.